Amen. You may be seated. I encourage you to find your Bibles or somewhere you could look on, whether it be a smartphone, your neighbor, tablet, whatever you have, and find Exodus chapter 17 this morning. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 7 of Exodus 17. We're also going to be in 1 Corinthians 10, and we're going to go from one to the other pretty quickly. And uh, if you want to also be comparing that. But good to see you this morning. I appreciate you coming. I'm thankful that we serve the God of new beginnings because we have had lots of them. And this is now another new beginning. We did online only there for a couple of weeks, and so we're back to in-person worship. So we welcome you to in-person. We welcome you who may be uh, watching and worshiping online today. And we are thankful that you are a part of Parkway Baptist Church worship this morning. We know this is a sacred hour that we've been able to come together. Aaron, thank you for leading us in worship. Tell the praise band we missed them, but we appreciate the variety, and we thank you. And I want to tell you something about the praise band. It, it's, they're not here because they're scared, okay? You understand? Some of them are out of town this week. It happens to be praise band weekend out of town or something, but, uh, uh, but they'll be back with us, and we appreciate them always. Appreciate Aaron leading us in worship. Wonderful songs that uh, we we're able to lift up in worship today. I want to I want to take you today as we look at Exodus chapter 17. I want to take you to back to that place in the wilderness, back to the place between Egypt and Palestine. It is the place here as we're looking at this, looking at this series that we've been a part of over the last few weeks. But it is a time in which they're traveling now. They've left the land of Egypt now. We know of the Exodus. They're now beginning in the wilderness, wandering already had a couple of testing times that they're going through today but it's a teaching time for the Israelites so that they'll be ready to go into the promised land ready for whatever is next but can I tell you this morning if you've come you're here this morning you're watching online it's a teaching time also for us so that we might be able to learn for whatever the Lord has in store and for what's next for us so I want you to pay attention to God's word today and it's probably a familiar story one of these stories of uh, the Israelites here as they are in the wilderness and things aren't going exactly as they had hoped and uh, they're not exactly happy about it. Exodus chapter 17 verse 1 reads like, like this. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. You shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. It was sometime before 2020. It was sometime before this year that I felt that this series was coming to where we were going to talk about Moses and we were going to talk about the exodus of the Israelites. Even before 2020, I already had kind of the title of the, the first title, I guess, maybe of the series. It was going to be the escape zone. We'll talk about what's holding you back and how we might be able to move forward with Jesus. But I wasn't sure exactly when it was that we were going to 
be in the midst of this series and talking about Moses, Israelites, and what they were coming out of and what they had to look forward to in store. But I think perhaps even before we ever knew of what was going to be happening in 2020, the Lord was laying on my heart and our hearts so that we might be ready and that I cannot think perhaps of a better passage that is more relevant to be able to understand how we need to be walking with the Lord during this time. Now understand all of God's Word is relevant, but sometimes the Lord brings us, particularly maybe in your daily Bible reading, sometimes in your Sunday school Bible study, or even times like these to where we have these words of God, and we knew that the, the Lord knew that we were going to be looking at this for such a time as this. So watch with me as we travel with the Israelites. It's an interesting place that He leads them through because we read a moment ago, they're coming through the wilderness of sin. Now, we understand the wilderness of sin is just kind of a shortened form of way of saying they're in the desert before they get to Sinai. It's just a shortened way of saying Sinai there. But we can't help but think perhaps as we read it in the English to think of some parallels of how God must lead us out of the wilderness of sin before we can enter the promised land. Three times early on in the wilderness wandering, we've, God's led them to a place to where they must trust Him they were already been without water one time, and they came to bitter waters. They were there, and, and they had to learn a lesson. They had to learn sometimes things get worse before they get better. They were thirsty, came to bitter waters. They couldn't drink it. Moses threw the tree, and it became sweet, and the Lord provided. Then they came to the place to where they were running out of food, and we knew that the Lord provided quail and manna there in the wilderness, and we learned that God often, almost always, gives us more than we deserve. And they should have already learned that God would not leave them into half faith and that God provides. And we come to this passage in Exodus chapter 17. They're thirsty again with no sign of water. So we're going to learn again perhaps. And before you think this is a rerun of a couple of chapters ago when they were thirsty, there's more. We are going to learn that God does provide. Sometimes He provides in unlikely places, but it gets a little bit deeper here. It gets a little bit even more relevant and applicable to the things that we need to know today. Because now I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because there the Apostle Paul, he begins to speak and he talks about this very event in Exodus chapter 17 that we're looking at today. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do you remember that the Israelites will, later on, will find they're going to pass over to the promised land? They come over and they cross over the river Jordan. It's going to be dry ground. The Lord's going to promise them victory over. And they fought many battles, had many victories. As a matter of fact, the first one is that they marched around the city of Jericho. The walls of Jericho come tumbling down. You remember those Israelites. Well, the Israelites that we're reading about in Exodus chapter 17, you need to know that's not them. This generation of Israelites, they have all, almost all, everyone over the age of 20 except two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they all perished in the wilderness. 
They all failed test after test. They all complained and grumbled along the way. They had some times in which they had shown some things that we could, un we could emulate. But they voted not to go into the promised land because of the reports of the people dwelling there and they did not have the faith that God would give them the victory. So the question we have from this passage as we look at this is that we want, we want you to be able to determine which kind of Israelites do you want to be. You want to be like the Israelites in Exodus chapter 17 that were faithless and complaining and did not have the trust in which they needed? Or do you want to be among the faithful and those who are obedient, are obedient? In the years to come, when we look back on 2020, I wonder what kind of things we will take away or we will remember about this year. Uh, if, if it's true that hindsight is 2020 and it will be for the year 2020, probably what we'll find, some of the things that we thought were true, we may find out it's not so much. I mean, once we get away and able to look back. And we can't control everything that we hear. We can't even control those things that we know are for sure or not. But we can control, with the Lord's help, we can have some decisions making, helping with the Lord's helping us that we will remain faithful and obedient to God and actually have an opportunity to grow stronger in our faith and to be able to walk even closer with Him and to be able to walk through and look for the open doors to be able to share God's love. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of kingdom work. I want to be able to see where the Lord is working and be able to step in and join in with Him. I want to pay attention to what the things that are going on. And I, want to, I don't want to be like the Israelites that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, Paul says these were examples of what not to do. Instead, I want to be like perhaps the Israelites who did have victory with the Lord, though they were not perfect and we're not going to be, but we certainly want to be more like Jesus. May we learn, as Paul says, from the mistakes of others and follow the many good examples we have, particularly the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In order to do that, we must be, you ready for the word? We must be ever-changing. It's a word that a lot of people do not like. We must be, the Bible says that we must be transformed. It's something that continues in our lives and we must be changing or if not we'll be more like this generation of Israelites who refused to change were not used by God for the purpose in which they were brought out of slavery why does God want to change you well God wants to change you into the person who trusts God more and is able to enjoy his blessings and God wants to change his church he wants us to, to grow his church God wants to change the church he wants to change Parkway Baptist Church so we can be a brighter light ever more pointing others to Jesus. Well, does that mean that we've not done anything that we've, God has not used us? No, it doesn't. Fifty years, two months from what's today, two months from tomorrow maybe, uh, we'll begin our 51st year, celebrate 50 years of being a church, of Parkway Baptist Church. And the Lord has used this church many, many ways, many times. We have people all over the world who were changed, touched, and grew at Parkway that are serving today and many in the community, and we're thankful for that. Does that mean God hasn't used you in the past? No, God has used you in the past, and uh, He wants to continue to do that and do that even more so as we move forward. But this morning, we want to talk about attitudes you want to want to change that will make a difference. Attitudes that you want to change that makes a difference. In first, in, in how you face today and how you face the things that are happening today and also so that you might 
and can be used of God. The first one is this, as we take a look at our passage. Don't expect God to do things your way. Don't expect God to do things your way. I know if God left everything up to me, or if he left everything up to you, well, probably we would be in a lot of trouble. We remember, though, the Israelites, they're just not meandering in the desert, happen to find themselves here or there. They're following the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, and they're following this, and, and God's leading them to the places in which they're coming, to where they need food and they need water and so that they might be able to be tested. In truth, it may be that the people are really following Moses because when they come to the place to where there is no water, they come and they complain to and about Moses and not to God. And the word in the English Standard Version that we're reading here, because we hear them complain a lot, but the word that is here, it's the first time this word is used, I think, as it talks about the Israelites. It said that they quarreled with Moses. It's a much stronger word than was used in the past when it said they complained. It used the word grumbled mostly in the English. As if they are arguing with Moses, give us water. Why have you brought us here in the wilderness to die of thirst? You know what's happening, don't you? They're having a peaceful protest that might become violent because Moses said we just read it he says to the Lord they're about to stone me he recognizes this peaceful protest is about to become violent don't tell me God's word's not relative can I tell you can I just just us here today and those of you who are listening can I tell you something Parkway people do not need to be protesting even peacefully if you've not already petitioned God in prayer. I mean, first and foremost, let's be sure that we have petitioned God and we've gone to Him and we're sure that we are coming to God. We, we realize all of us at some time we have a hard time trusting God. There's going to be those times, but some people are so far away from God they can't even complain to God, much less trust God. Moses asked, why do you come to me? He let him know. He was not the complaint department. The complaint against him is really complaining against God. I have a talk with our deacons every year, sometimes more than once a year, because they'll tell you. And every deacon who ever comes on, even before they join, I tell them this. I say, you're not the complaint department. I said, don't lay, don't serve by thinking that you're the complaint department of the church, because whenever somebody has a complaint in the church particularly if it's about the staff or the pastor, not that that ever happened in this church, you understand, but they, they want to, they're going to, I'm going to find me a deacon and I'm going to complain about this so maybe they can take care of this. Now, we talk about biblical ways in which we handle complaints in the church, but we need to know first and foremost, job is about serving. It is about ministry and bringing people to Jesus. But are you close enough to the Lord that you can take your complaints to Him maybe even before you take it to the deacons or to the staff or to your neighbor or to the beautician or to the barber? If you take it to God first, you may find you don't have to take it to anybody else or if you do, you'll be able to take it with a much different kind of spirit. But because they were not close enough to God, they said to Moses, this is not the way we've done, we would have done it. We need to be thankful that God's not going to do things the way we would do them. If He was, they would be first, they would be marred by sin and selfishness. They'd be way too small because God does things in a much grander, God-sized way. And we would probably skip the lesson that God wants to teach us to help us to be more like Christ. I know some of our youth started back today and some of you, some of you ready to start 
school back in a few weeks? Well, my goodness, what's that going to look like? I can almost guarantee you it's not going to look like what it looked like last year when you started school. And it probably will not look like what you would have done if you'd have done it your way. I can tell you when I was a student, it would have been really easy if things would, they have done things my way. I had three classes. It had been lunch, recess, and maybe shop. And then there, but I probably would not have learned much probably along the way. God may have a lot of things to teach you and me. Don't expect God to always do things your way. But also, don't expect God always to do things the same way. I find the Bible very interesting because God rarely does things the same way He did them the last time. My God is a God of variety and He makes life interesting. Ever, ever watch a new sitcom on television? I rarely do. Probably first because they're not fit to watch. But also, you can guess what's going to happen next. I mean, it's pretty predictable. You know why? The, sin is predictable. God is not. The last time they were without water, they came across water, but it was bitter. And they complained, and of course, because of God's goodness and grace, not because of their complaints, God told Moses, throw this particular tree into the water, will become sweet. Now they've come again to another place. There are no waters, not even bitter waters. If there had been bitter water, what do you think they'd ask of Moses? Moses, could you go find that tree again or something like that, throw that back into the water? Do the same thing that you did before. But that's not what God had in mind. They revealed again their lack of faith. What should they have done? Well, I mean, they could have had a prayer meeting and waited on God. But part of their lack of faith was because they could not do what they had done before. Now, let's not make light of this. I mean, if there's truly no water for between one and two million people, people are going to start dying of thirst. Literally, it's, it's as ever as serious as a pandemic today. Last time God had Moses throwing a tree was a great miracle. This time, maybe even greater. He has Moses strike a solid, strike a solid rock with the staff, the same staff that he had struck the Nile when the Nile had separated, and water flows out of the rock. Now, I'm convinced that if this had been a group of Baptists, there had been some of them that had stood back and they would have said those famous seven last words we ain't never done it that way before and they would have died of thirst right there in the wilderness be so thirsty for the things of God that however God decides to conduct his business that it's okay with you whatever God chooses whatever variety of ways that God uses to get the job done but also if God's going to change your attitude don't expect God to do nothing Sometimes in God worked miracles, particularly in the Old Testament, there'd be a memorial built or they would name the place something that honored God, but not this time and even not some other times, but they named the place Masa and Meribah, meaning testing and complaining. Last part of verse 7 in Exodus chapter 17 says, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? They expected, proper English would be that they did not expect anything. But they expected nothing. They didn't even know if God was present. May we expect more. May we expect God to do something in 2020 so that when we look back, we'll be able to see what God was up to. May it be a year that you expect God to be at work in the life of this church, that even bigger and better than before. May it 
also be a year that you expect God to be at work in your life and the life of your family like never before. It may not be the way that you would do it. It may not be the same way that God did it the last time, but expect God to do a great work. An elderly man lay in the hospital. He woke up and opened his eyes and looked and he saw his wife of 55 years sitting next to him in the bed and he said, Bertha, is that you? Bertha answered and said, yeah, it's me. I'm right here. She said, he said, Bertha, do you remember when we were, I was in Veterans Hospital? You were with me then, weren't you, Bertha? Yeah, I, I was with you. He said, do you remember when the house caught fire and burned down? You were with me there, weren't you, Bertha? She said, yeah, I was with you. He said, do you remember when we were poor, barely, barely scraping by? You were with me there, weren't you, Bertha? She said, yeah, I was there. Kind of breathed a sigh. He said, you know, Bertha, I'm beginning to think that you're bad luck keeping you around. <laughs> Sometimes we need to change our attitudes. There are attitudes that we need to change. There are also attitudes that we need to keep. Attitudes you want to keep, that will make a difference. A difference in what you're facing today, a difference in what and how the Lord might be using you. One, we need to depend on prayers you take to God. While the Israelites exhorted to complaining against their leader and even asking why he took them out of Egypt, what did Moses do? Moses went to the Lord. If there's something that we need to keep and continue to build on in the coming days, it's going to be our prayer life. You need to keep praying for one another. Let me ask you, to, and I thank you so much for praying for me. Let me ask you to pray for the, our staff and the leadership of the church. Let me ask you to pray for your Sunday school class. Thank you, Parkway. Thank you that I'm part of a church that helps to particularly. We've seen it during this time. I think you've risen to the occasion that you've cared for one another. You've checked on people. You've done the practical, the relevant things that when somebody needed help, you were there when they needed prayer that you prayed for them. They encourage you to continue to do that. I want to continue to pray for ministries of the church that we need not to neglect but to be able to continue on in those things that we need to do about the future so that we might continue to grow as we need to grow and there are people out there that need Jesus pray that we'll have opportunities to be able to share with Jesus for the entire month of June 30 days in June we had many people sometimes multiple people here on our campus prayer walking our church I asked you we talked about you did that you came and prayed inside outside the church every Sunday school classroom was prayed for every day Sanctuary is prayed for. Pray to hedge of protection around the church on the outside. Not because of praying for the building or even just the church members, but that we might be the light that we need to be. So it's what we need to continue to do. Listen, I don't know what you might be facing or what challenges lie ahead. We all know some of the things that we're all facing, but we need to face them through prayer. I don't know who said this, but I wrote it down and I want to share with you. Christians must remember that prayer is like the mortar that holds the bricks together or the quiet pauses in a symphony. Without the mortar, everything falls apart. Without the quiet between the notes, no music. And without the daily private prayer, Christians face spiritual starvation. If you want God continue to bless, it will truly be His choice. But we want to be a people who go to God personally every day. And I want to be a praying pastor, not because I'm super spiritual, but i got to tell you, because I'm clueless without it. I don't know how to serve. I don't know what to preach. I don't know how to lead. We're not for God. Today I'm asking you, I'm asking you to covenant with me. 
covenant with me that we will pray for one another, that we will pray for our church and that we will pray for our community. But also, not only do you want to depend on prayers you take to God, you want to depend on the provision from God. Depend on the provision from God. God's people were provided for in the desert, even though they showed little or no faith. Do you remember Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What do you think He meant by all of these things? I think among those were the physical needs that we have. You can depend on God's provision. I imagine, I won't ask you today, but if I could imagine if I could have a show of hands and that you were raising your hand at home, that they were asking you how many of you were sure about your future. That is that you are heaven bound because Christ took our place on Calvary's cross. And because you've been forgiven of sin, you can know that you have a home in heaven and there's a place that is waiting for you. I would imagine that many or most here today, and most maybe even listening in, would say, I'm sure that if they're believers in the Lord Jesus. If you cannot say today that I am confident about the future and about heaven, well, let me encourage you today that give your heart and life to Jesus that don't leave this place don't leave this hour without asking Christ to forgive you of your sins and asking Jesus to come in you'll never be good enough to be able to get to heaven but Jesus was and he's the only one and he made it available because he loves us and because of his grace and you can ask Christ to come in today but if you trust God with the future of heaven that's going to be a long 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 time well, surely you can trust God to provide for your needs during this short time. We don't know when the pandemic will be over. We're thinking it's a 2020 thing and that's it. We really have no idea. But even our time on earth is very short compared to the time in which we will spend. And we believe that God can provide. I believe God does provide. But you know why I believe God provides for us? So that we might focus not just so you know, we can be happy about that thing, but so that we might be able to focus not just on our daily needs and the things of this world, but on the things of God and eternal matters. The Israelites were so concerned about their own needs, they failed to see the big picture. God led them out of Egypt and were leading them to the promised land for a bigger picture, which included the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in Bethlehem and so that they might be a light to the nations. We're going to continue to open up for worship, have in-person worship whenever we can. We're encouraging Bible study, whether it be in-person or online. We're even going to encourage you to continue to give, uh, help with our building fund. We're going to encourage you to continue to serve, continue to love others, all because so that we might be a part of what matters, the eternal matters, because God has a purpose. We're about the business of making disciples so you want to trust God so much with the physical needs so that you might put your focus on the spiritual. Are you there yet? It's all right. Because God's still working on me. He's still working on you. So that we can put our focus, truly put our focus where it really needs to be. But all how God wants to use people totally dependent on Him. But also, the kind of attitudes that we need to keep to make a difference. Depend on the purpose found in Jesus Christ. There's so many stories in the Bible about the Israelites and the Exodus, and we may not look at every single story in Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. There's lots of stories in there. We're going to look at a lot of them, though, and because there are 
lots of lessons to learn, and every one of them point to Jesus. You see, it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter where you read your Bible study and what happens here, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever we begin, we know that it all points to Jesus. Let's just do a little bit of a quick review. Chapter 15. These were the days of thirsting, came to the waters that were bitter, turned sweet when Moses threw in the tree that God told him about and the people had water to drink. Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? The water that you drink, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Chapter 15, we learn that Jesus is the living water. Chapter 16, Israelites were hungry. The Lord sent quail and manna. The manna, or the heavenly bread, would come six days a week, feed God's people for 40 years. Jesus talked about this very event in the New Testament. And what did he say? He said the bread that they were fed from heaven, they were hungry again, and they all died. He said, but the bread that I provide as the bread of life, you will never die. Chapter 16, Jesus is the bread of life. Chapter 17, today we're looking at it. God's people thirst again. Moses told to go ahead of the people, take the elders of Israel with you so that they can be a witness Take that staff with you, strike the rock of Horeb, and water flowed for the people to drink, enough to satisfy a couple of million Israelites. It, this is going to be, have to be more than a trickle that comes out of that rock. It's going to be, have to be more than a fire hydrant on a city street. In fact, the psalmist talks about this very event in Psalm 105. Listen to what he says. He said, God opened the rock, and the waters gushed out like a river. It flowed in the desert. Where's Jesus in the story? Well, we could certainly see that He's in the water. He is the living water. But the New Testament helps us to see that He is much more. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, we read a moment ago, says that rock, you know the one that Moses struck and the water flowed? That rock accompanied them, went with them. There is a, uh, there's a Jewish tradition, not necessarily in the Bible, but it's a tradition that says that that rock that Moses struck followed them wherever they went for the next 40 years. And it may have. We don't know that for sure. Because when Paul talks about it here, who's the rock that followed them? It's Jesus. Chapter 15, He is the living water. Chapter 16, He is the bread of life. Chapter 17, He, Jesus, is the rock. Verse 7, what did they call the place? Masa and Meribah, testing and quarreling, for they wondered if the Lord is with them or not. The rock was proof that God was with them. The New Testament, Jesus, is proof that God is with us. The rock was proof. Jesus was proof. The imagery is almost more than we can grasp. As Moses struck the rock, so Christ was struck. First with betrayal and then denial, then with the fist of the soldiers, then with the crown of thorns, then with the nails and pierced his hands and feet, but the greatest blow were our sins that were placed upon him. And judgment struck the innocent Son of God. When Moses struck the rock, the water did flow, giving life to all of God's people. A vast multitude. Life was provided. Jesus provides life. And it may be, John chapter 19, Jesus has died. Soldiers came to make sure that Jesus was dead was dead. They pierced his side. Do you remember what flowed in John 19? Blood flowed. And what else? 
and water. Blood representing the fact that Jesus had forgiven us of all sins. And blood, his blood covered us. The water tells us his death gives us life. Now, I'm always reading through the Bible and I'm, I'm getting toward the end. I'm, I'll just read, I'll read Genesis through Revelation. I'll start over now. Before you think that's good of me, it takes me about four years to do that. I read about five, six, seven chapters a week maybe, and I'm, I'm not a slow reader, but I am slow at comprehension. So, so I'm almost through, so I was reading in Jude, second to the last book, and then I'll start over again. Only one chapter in Jude, but in Jude chapter 1 and verse 5, and hit me like a ton of bricks for some reason. It says, now I want to remind you, although you only, you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, according to Jude verse 5, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt? Jesus did. In the New Testament, and uses this Old Testament story to paint uh, for us a picture that Jesus is the rock. What difference does it make for you? What difference does it make for the New Testament church and God's people today? Just as rock was proof that God is with them, so Jesus is proof that God is with us. He's amongst us. He's with the church. Because we deserve it, because we're good, or because we're perfect, indeed not. Just as the Israelites were not. But God is with them. But it also makes a difference because Jesus qualifies what kind of life He wants us to give. Jesus said He wants to give you a life that is abundant and eternal. As if we were walking with Jesus in the promised land of the land flowing with milk and honey, or at least that we are on our way. Understand that only God's people, only believers, have the ability to draw upon the divine power of the presence of Jesus who is the rock of our salvation. Only the church has the opportunity to fully be aware, to draw upon who Jesus is today. There's lots of verses, I think, that could help us be able to remind and celebrate that today. But I've got a few, some of them there in your notes, and we've left some blanks maybe just to uh, emphasize a word or two. One of those is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13, it's the word strengthens if you're filling in the blank. Another is, my grace is sufficient for you. My or God's power is made perfect in weakness. So it's the word power, 2 Corinthians 12.9. Another is, that I pray out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Again, it's the word strengthen and the word power. And also we find 1 Corinthians 10, it says, And God is faithful who not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's the word faithful. Notice those words, strength, power, and faithful. God has placed in every believer through Jesus Christ the power of God that is no match for whatever life may throw your way call upon and depend upon not your own power but on God's divine power in you because of Jesus because if he is God and we are his servants there are certain attitudes that we want to keep we want to depend on prayer that we take to God we depend on the provision from God and we want to depend on the presence and the power found in Jesus because you got to understand a change in attitude that is more Christ-like will lead to a change in our actions that will make all the difference in how you face today and how you can be used of God. I want to call you to Jesus today. We're not going to get up and walk to the front, but if the Lord is 
working in your life, I want you to draw yourself to Him. And that is, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you call upon Him today, just as we've talked about already. If you know Jesus today, understand that there is that divine power that is living in you. He could change our attitude. We're told to have an attitude that is like Jesus. It's like Christ. And the Lord wants to continue to change your attitude so that we might be more like Jesus, so that it might make all the difference. I encourage you to come to Him. If you're making a decision today, I want to encourage you to find on our website either the Connect card or the church membership card if you're looking to join our church. Even if you're not here today and you're looking to do that, you're, online, you're watching online, I want to encourage you to do that. You can do that online. You could do an old-fashioned way. You could call one of us at the church and let us know, and it would be okay too. Come by, knock on our door, we'll put on our mask and talk, and it'll be all right. But uh, we encourage you to continue to follow the Lord's direction in your life. And thank you once again for tuning in today and worshiping, and thank you for being here today. We're going to be 1030. I know we've, we've changed our times. You've got to wake up every Sunday. I wonder what time the service is today. I'll say from here for a while, we're going to try to be at 1030 so that those who want to have Sunday school classes in larger rooms, they can do that at 9 o'clock. And uh, so we encourage you, if it changes, give me a call and I'll let you call. Call me every Sunday and I'll tell you what time it is. But 1030 from here on out. Let me pray for you. And then after that, uh, actually, Aaron's going to come close us out and lead us in a song. Okay, let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for these who are gathered here, those who are worshiping online today and we thank you for the opportunity to come together in Christ we know that we are one in Christ even when we're apart because of the common bond that we share we thank you for the grace that has been shown to us we thank you father that you have revealed to us who you are we thank you that we know that you are the one who is uh, the living water you're the bread of life you are the rock of our salvation we praise your name and celebrate that today. And even so, and even now, Father, may it change us to be more like you. Pray, Father, if there's one here that has come to know you today or perhaps contemplating come to know you, Father, we pray that salvation will be complete in you. May they not put it off. May they call upon you today. And we thank you, Father, for how you're going to continue to be at work in the days to come. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen. If you want to stand with us, we're going to...